genre. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are splashing through Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Kestra Dorowski. I'm Andrew Dorowski. Today we are again joined by Thomas from NeverEnding Minute. Thank you for having me back, guys. It's worth it. Yes. <laughs> Today we're discussing Minute 7, which begins with Flounder swimming to Ariel, and it ends with Ariel and Flounder poking their heads through the hatch in the sunken ship. This Minute 7 features Flounder and Ariel talking about Flounder being a guppy and scared. Flounder getting stuck in the porthole, and a shark appears swimming by the ship. Uh-oh. But they don't dun, dun, dun. see it. Back for another day, Thomas. Yes. <laughs> so, they cut between these minutes very smoothly, it, at least in, in our version, the, the one that we're working from, the Blu-ray version, where, you know, you get one minute ends basically with the end of a scene, and your new minute starts with the end of scene. And this happens again later on. So I don't know if they were trimming by minutes in any way, but it works out nicely for us. So we cut mm -hmm. to a brand new scene. <laughs> Pretty and, much. Uh, well, and we it, like, it, it starts with Ariel, uh, or ends with Ariel last yesterday. Yes, which we did not talk about King Triton getting, getting angry and finishing the song by saying her name. Yes. <laughs> he seemed unduly upset about that. Like, like... I was worried that he was going to cause damage to the concert hall. Me yes. too. <laughs> you you have to imagine this happens all the time. It does. We've we've watched at least one season of the TV series, yeah. and this sort of thing is always happening. It, she's always missing something or doing something wrong, or disobeying. Yeah, a lot of disobeying, and she's still the favorite. It's amazing. Well, it could just be in the series anyway. Uh, when Triton was a kid, he had red hair, so maybe. It's like that. In the movies, I think it shows him with brown hair as a younger adult, and the mother had red hair. Maybe his hair color shifted a little, but... Well, even if know. the mother had red hair, that would explain it as well, because, you know, with her being part of representing the Dead Sea, she's a great <laughs> reminder. <laughs> um, but yeah, for whatever reason, he's real upset, and then it just cuts to Ariel doing her thing, which is, it's a good cut. You know, it's like, where's Ariel? Oh, she's here and doing her thing. And we're really about to kind of get a sense of Ariel's character. Yeah. Now, this is the first time we see her. And it just strikes me looking back on this now that they did a really good job in this movie of showing exactly how young she is. In some of the yeah. other movies, you don't, you can't, it's so hard to accurately say how old the Disney princesses are, but you can really tell that Ariel is a younger character. I think she she really does track as 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, she doesn't look like she's fully grown. Like her, her, just her postures and everything, the proportions of like her shoulders to her waist, to her head, everything seems like it's like, not quite grown up. Yes. However, in the TV series, she her her body proportions are a little bit different. And yeah, she we, looks a little bit bustier. Yeah, we notice in the TV series, like she looks like she's pushing eighteen. The way they draw her in that <laughs> that cleavage line is noticeable, and I would not say that about this one, which I think is also really impressive. That you know they're dealing with a situation where she is half dressed for half of the film, 
right. you know, is, is how we describe it. And I don't feel that awkward about it. Um, right. Throughout the majority of it. There are moments where it's a little like, mm, that's maybe a little, um, like that shots maybe for the adults more than for the kids um, right. sort of moments. But for the most part, I'd say just watching the movie, it tracks as this is a young girl and is not being sexualized. Right. I agree. Uh, she's just <laughs> there doing her things. And a lot of the times she really does seem like young and a little naive. Like some of the times I would say she's, she tracks as maybe 14 um, instead right. of 15, 16, 17. I know seven or 16 is the official Because she age. says, I'm 16 in this movie. I'm not a child anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the first shot we see of her here, she almost has like Bratz proportions. Like where her head is almost as wide as her shoulders are. Yeah. yeah. I'd say I'd say most of the time it seems like, and, and some of that's deceptive because she has fluffy hair. Right. Um, but if you can ignore the hair, even then, uh, her head is fairly large compared to her shoulders. It's not uncomfortably large. I think it's, it's consistent with the animation throughout the film, uh, right. for women, uh, at least the, the mermaids anyway. <laughs> and it works, but it also, it definitely kind of gives a statement of this is a younger character. Whereas, um, in our last film, Snow White, She's supposed to be 14, I think, and I could I couldn't tell you that she was specifically 14. I could have, you know, I would have believed anywhere from 15 to 18, and that's mostly because I don't think of 14 as a typical uh protagonist age. Right. <laughs> I would have thought 16, 17, 18, but um for Ariel it it really does seem like this this girl's young. She is she's not an adult. And it, it, I don't know how they did it. Like, it's got to be something subtle and, and some sort of trick. Because they weren't able to do it throughout the animated series as well. But right. it works really well here. And I I commend them for it. <laughs> how old was Jodie Benson when she was voicing Ariel? Um, I'd have to look it up. I think she was in her early 20s. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little bit of a younger voice. We talked about yes. um, the voice of Prince Eric being 16. Yes, he was 16, 16, and so, 17. And so, and, and in his case, he's playing like 20. Yes. Uh, when, so it's... Hmm? What year did this come out again? 89. Okay, so she would have been 28. Okay, thank you for checking that. This. So she probably recorded most of her stuff when she was in her mid-20s, uh, and then it was released while she was in her late 20s. Right. Uh, so she would have been, you know, quite a bit older than the voice of Prince Eric, and yet they're playing opposite of that mm-hmm. effect. Because Eric's supposed to be 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's... He's voiced by a 16-year-old. Yeah. Voiced she's, by a 16-year-old. She's 11 years older than the voice actor for Eric. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting that you have this kind of opposing uh, yeah. voice characterization. Yeah. But I, I found it interesting because... So it's Jodie Benson that ends up voicing her but melissa fawn had auditioned but she and she was seriously considered but then her everyone thought that her voice was too young for the part interesting i, I mean it, it's hard for me to picture anyone but jody for yeah, ariel exactly. in particular like she has uh, ariel i think out of all the voices for disney princesses 
Um, and in part, especially because unlike most of the ones through the Renaissance, it, she is uh, her acting voice and singing voice. Um, right. And like Jasmine, um, I think Pocahontas, was Judy Kuhn the voice all the way through or just for the singing? I think it's separate for the singing and the acting okay. for that one as and, well. And Leia Salonga did the singing voice for Jasmine and for Mulan. And for Mulan, yeah. So they, in other cases, they were splitting them up. And in this case, it's the same. And I I think it works great. And I'd say Jody is probably the most iconic voice for the Renaissance right. princesses. Yes. If we had not had Howard Ashman come on to Disney and do Little Mermaid, we would not have Jodie Benson. We wouldn't have the Little Mermaid. Well, we wouldn't have right. the Little Mermaid in, in the we, way we know it. Yes, yes. But uh, he, Howard, he picked her. Yeah. He well, well, he told her to audition. Oh, okay. Um, How did he? he so he, before he was recruited for Disney, he was working on the musical version of the movie Smile. And, um, he was, and he, he did like the music part for that. And Jodie Benson was playing a role in that part where she actually sings a song called Disneyland. Um, <laughs> Is that the song I hear you yes. sing sometimes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and when, and it was a short lived musical on Broadway. It was only there for like a few weeks. And when he was recruited to Disney, he told pretty much everyone in the cast who, that they should probably audition or look into auditioning. And Jodie Benson auditioned and Howard Ashman was like, guys, like Jodie Benson's amazing. Like you need her. Well, and it's really important for how crucial the voice is in the story for Ariel. Yes. Right. And so they, I think they nailed it. It's a, it's a great, uh, a great choice. And it really, really does work. Since we're talking about voices, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about Flounder's voice. One of my favorite facts that we got from the audio commentary on our Blu-ray copy okay. was that uh, since the it, it was like a five-year production process um, for this one, and Flounder, they got a kid. He was like 12 when they cast him. I think so. And they got a kid to do the voice of Flounder. And by the time they were wrapping everything up and they needed to call him back in for basically reshoots, you know, re, um, re-recording some of the stuff. Uh, and and picking up any scenes that they had changed, uh, he came in and his voices changed. Oh my goodness! And so he had to like intentionally pitch it down because he had turned like like fifteen or sixteen by the time they were finishing everything. So at the you know when they started, Flounder sounded like Flounder, and then they said when he came back to do like the last round, he said, "Yeah, I'm I'm here to record for Flounder," <laughs> <laughs> and it, and he just had to like. Adjust, and I think you can hear it in some sequences where it sounds flounder sounds a little more performed um, right. as a voice instead of just natural and and performing the lines. It's it's performing the voice too, uh, but I just thought that was hilarious that they had cast a kid and it worked great. Like I love flounder's voice and and flounder's character, and then he turned sixteen part like by the end of recording, and he had to like really try to get that voice back. Yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough, he's actually only a year younger than Eric. The guy who voices Eric. Whoa. Whoa. That's crazy. But yeah. <laughs> maybe they recruited him at different times. Or, yeah. I don't like, know. like they may have, they may have recorded um, Flounder's stuff earlier or, yeah. or Eric just, uh, his voice dropped sooner. Yeah. Could right. be a lot of yeah. things. So. That's, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. connection. Thank you, Thomas, for manning the, uh, the IMDB <laughs> <laughs> and, and looking at people's birth years to, to get oh. us those facts. 
But yeah, I, Flounder is great. And I just love that story. And thinking like this iconic, like Flounder voice was a kid. And then he grew up and he's like, I need to go finish recording Flounder. And my voice dropped. So I have to practice sounding like I did four years ago. <laughs> now, speaking of Flounder, Ariel's best friend and companion was actually supposed to be a dolphin named Breaker, not Flounder. I like Flounder better, I think. I think dolphin doesn't work as well, especially because they make dolphins the horses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I it agree. also, it it does well to have him oddly shaped and, you know, we'll see in this minute, having trouble going through stuff and being small and not as fast and stuff yes, like it, that. That uh, works out well. Apparently, in practice, he is wider than Ariel is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, which doesn't make sense because... When he gets stuck in the porthole, mm-hmm. his face seems like it's the bigger part of, of his mm-hmm. body. And yet, from different angles, it looks like it's mid to yeah, like, the angles don't the quite middle match up. Or, or, or closer to the back of his, of his body, which is a lot thinner. Yeah, the angles don't really match up on the inside and outside of the ship uh, when he... When he goes through it. Right. And uh, somehow Ariel, I think, is maybe like a little bit octopus with how she goes through the porthole. Like she really <laughs> just slides through in the way you see octopi slide through things. Like if her head can fit through, she's fine. Like, And she's flexible enough that it's not a problem. Yeah. It's very fluid and a little bit uh, like inhuman. It's a little bit unearthly, <laughs> I would say. But but I mean, it's mermaid physiology. So what do I know? Right. There's, there's an odd cut here where... You know, it shows the ship with, you know, perfect lighting for some reason, which is funny enough. You know, the ship gets lit up by the sun perfectly, but it's a view from the back of the ship. You see, you clearly see the back of the shape of the ship and then it, like the light fades forward. But the second they start swimming towards the ship, they're at the side of the ship. Yeah. And maybe I don't have a really good explanation, but maybe (laughs) Ariel just knows the way to approach a ship for entering it is from the side. Possibly, yeah, I can um, do that. But yeah, you're you're right. It it does have like this this beautiful shot of it, like like a painting of it on, and it's it's like set on top of a, a stone outcrop, and the lights just hitting it. But then when they get to the side, it's it's like an opposite angle, basically from right. how they viewed it. Um, I I did want to say a little bit more about our introduction to Flounder. Okay. Um. Flounder was originally known as Guppy number 35. <laughs> he was the 35th <laughs> Guppy in his litter, I guess you could say. Or in a school of fish or something. Or, yeah, I in the school. And Ariel named him Flounder. Huh. And he he is not, in fact, a flounder. Interesting. <laughs> he is supposedly some sort of blue and yellow tropical fish. Now, so, do, do we have any idea what part of the ocean they're actually in? So this is one of the things that's kind of problematic for this film, uh, time period and uh, location, which we're going to talk a little bit more about this later. We are settling on calling this roughly near Denmark. That's what a lot of Disney historians and... And and And, and like the actual story itself. Yes. um, Say that it it, it takes place as. But... um, also, in our research, we saw uh, some people suggest something like Portugal, closer to the Mediterranean, um, or even somewhere between Portugal and Italy, which when I was 
I don't know how old I was when I, because originally I thought it must be in the in the Caribbean because of Sebastian's accent. Um, He's the only one. I know, but it was the only distinctive accent that I could pick up on as a little kid. Um, but then at some point I decided, oh, it's probably in the Mediterranean. Uh, and I think that was mostly based on some of the architecture and stuff. It seemed like it might suit the Mediterranean a little better. Right. And then now I know that like, it's gotta be Denmark because that's where the story comes from. And that's how they would, you know, set it all up. And that's where the little mermaid statue is right? um, for the story that Hans Christian Andersen wrote. Yeah. It's in Copenhagen in Denmark. So it, I mean, I, I've always been floating somewhere between those three locations. <laughs> um, what would you say? I, 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 my best answer would be that it's just an amalgamation of all of them. Since we have all the sisters in one area, I think distance in this movie isn't supposed to be like so defining. Mm-hmm. Maybe so you know you've you've it's just the ocean instead of a specific part of the ocean. And that works fine for me. Um, since we're we're talking about the locations and and these things, uh, there is a theory online that the ship she swims into is the ship that the parents in Frozen yes uh, were on, and it went down. I'm okay with that. That would also track with a Denmark location, a, a mm-hmm. Northern Ocean location. Uh, Denmark and Norway are near enough, and right. and Arendelle is roughly Norway. <laughs> yeah, and so I I would buy that. Um, if we want to talk about like the expanded uh, stuff that the, that some of the directors of Frozen, and I'm going to go ahead and say I don't agree with any of this I stuff that they're about to say, uh, but they say that. Uh, it is also the same ship that Tarzan's parents were on. And in fact, Tarzan is their little brother. Of, yes. <laughs> and I I do not let that track at all for me. Uh, at the very least, that would mean that it has to go into the Mediterranean to get to Africa, if not just outright the, the Southern Atlantic. Right. Um, and for me, that, that dog just doesn't hunt. But I will, I, I am fine with the idea of it being the ship, uh, here in the little mermaid right now not not that i don't want to be negative and point out all the inconsistencies but watching it this slowly i find it more interesting than anything when they're getting ready to enter the ship it actually looks like they're inside a ship because i'm pretty sure when a ship's built the ribs are on the inside of the boat and not the outside hmm i don't know enough about about shipbuilding and I don't know what the animators knew about these types of ships. Maybe that's why this one sank. But yeah, even the curve of the ship, like when, when you get that close up on flounder before they go in, mm-hmm. the curve of it is like an interior shot of a ship as well. It's curving towards him instead of, you know, how a ship should be curving away from him at that point. Right. I don't have a good explanation for it. I'm not, I'm not asking you to explain it. I'm just <laughs> noting that it's there. Maybe we need a, a, an expert in uh, nautical navigation for that time period, which we're not exactly <laughs> sure when that is either, <laughs> and to get some information about these ships. But yeah, I I don't know. But oh. you, you could be right that there's sort of an error in some of the background animation or something like that. Also, um, before we go too far, I think it's awesome that they use bubbles to 
denote movement in the mm-hmm. ocean. So I know fish don't breathe and don't have bubbles, but everywhere that flounder goes, he's got a little bubble trail following behind him. I think it's useful to to make sure that the motion is clear and to give an effective motion for an environment we wouldn't be used to. I mean, one, right. we wouldn't we wouldn't see anything, and two, we wouldn't be used to how to see anything or what to expect. So I think it's a it's a nice way to add a little bit of energy, right, to, to the sequence. Yeah, I love um, the water effect that they put in the lighting. Like the, the kind of shimmer. Yes, that you would see, you know, under anything. If you shine a light from above down and onto something, you get that little wavy effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't it's, imagine that's easy to draw. <laughs> I have no idea how they how they did that. We tried to research some of the water effects that they did for for lighting and stuff, and we couldn't find any good results. Every time we searched, it was bringing things up for upcoming live action versions. Right. So we couldn't find the information we wanted on that, but it's, it, it is very impressive and really helps to uh, establish the environment that we're in. Uh, I, I also noted that, um, so a, a lot of times we're going to be comparing this to Snow White because that's the other movie we've done by right. minute so far. And I took note that Ariel's color palette is basically um, secondary colors, it, whereas Snow White was all primary colors. I mean, predominantly blue and yellow, but also red. Um, Ariel has red, but then green and purple uh, right. instead of a blue and yellow. Right. Uh, her green tail is actually the color. The color green that they use was actually made specifically for her, and it is called Ariel. Oh, and then wonderful. her red hair was made uh, to complement the green, but also to set her apart from the main character of the live action Splash. Mm. Oh, yes. blonde. I think yes. Yes, I, I think hair. it works. I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I think they did a very good job to have... I mean, her her largest colors are the red and the green. And that does not look at all like Christmas. Even no, though typically red, red and green would be Christmas colors. So they found a way to just adjust the hue or or whatever about those those two shades of red and green to make it clear that it's not Christmassy, but they do complement very well. And I think the, the purple... Um, color that she also has works well with that combination, um, and it's a little bit surprising. Like it's pretty, it's pretty unique. And you know when you see that that green and a purple or a red together like that, you know it's Ariel. And I never right. think Christmas. Like yeah. you've seen the jewelry that they usually have ads for on Facebook or whatever mm-hmm. that represent each one of the princesses or anything, and those three colors together instantly make you think about ariel yeah and it, it's fantastic i'm sure i'm sure in snow white i can't remember everything we talked about but i'm sure we talked about the power of, of color blocking and how influential it is for making iconic characters and it's the same for superheroes and it's it, it happens for the disney princesses where you have uh these colors and i'd say ariel might be the strongest one with a uh, specific color association right like if you get to uh, Jasmine has a single color, um, whereas Ariel's got a combination. So you still get that. Um, Belle has two main outfits right. that you get kind of used to. And so it's hard to say what's more iconic, the 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 blue and white or the yellow dress. I would almost say the yellow dress is more iconic, though. Yeah, that, that's what I would probably go with. But with Ariel, there's almost no question right. um, that this green is her 
like this green and red and, and purple is her combo. And you could basically, you could splash a canvas with the right amounts of those colors and everyone would know. Right. But the interesting thing canvas, is, is yellow. You can't necessarily know it's Belle. The interesting thing is later on, and not to get too far ahead, but later on in the movie, she doesn't even have the green anymore when she's. Yeah. She spends on. about half the film outside of the green. But I'd say they also still merchandise um, like that shade of green as a dress for her, right? Um, for for yeah, there's uh, a, there's toys a, and things. There's a dress that looks very similar in style to her wedding dress and her pink dress that she has later on, but it's it's this kind of green color, and um, th- that dress and her which she never actually wears in this yeah, it's only dress. in merchandising. Um, that dress and then her and her as a mermaid are are the images you the get. images you get and she is the m- most merchandised princess really oh wow i didn't know like they had none. she is number one uh from at least from what my source said it that the I source could it. be outdated now but uh, with I mean, Frozen and yeah, Moana. Frozen, but- I'd say Frozen might be pushing it, but I don't know if Frozen gets split between the two characters, and so Ariel still wins. Yeah. I know pretty shortly Moana's probably going to take that over. <laughs> Moana is quite popular right now. Yes. <laughs> and rightly every so. Every week, every other weekend, I'm watching it at least twice. <laughs> okay, I've talked about Loving Flounder, but I did want to note. One of his excuses for not going in there is that it looks damp. And that is one of my favorite things. It's like, it looks pretty damp in there. And he fakes a cough. And he fakes a cough. And he's like, and I think I'm coming down with something. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I, I like damp, flounder. The damp part. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. that's almost That's almost like, you know, dry heat. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's too wet in there. We can't go. Like, We're in the ocean. Yeah. Um, but Flounder is an example of a kind of character that I, I really do enjoy, which is a character who is definitely afraid and is still a participant uh, throughout all the danger and everything. Like, Flounder is definitely scared, and we all know it. And Ariel teases him some for it in, in a way that's almost mean, but she also never leaves him behind. Like, right. she knows he's scared, and she is supportive of him. But she's also helping him do all these things that that are pretty brave. In fact, she actually drags him backwards for a portion of the swim there. (laughs) He can't breathe or anything because the water's not going through his gills right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do either of you have any other notes on uh, Minute 7? I think I'm tapped out for this one. Okay. Okay. That's all we have for you today, listeners. We are part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There, you will also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsels, group. Uh, Our guest, Thomas, can be found at... Uh, growlermedia.com go there um they have our podcast there along with something you guys were gracious enough to let bobby flores take on he's doing uh beauty and the beast minute over there i'm sure he appreciates that uh 
But you can go there. You can download my podcast there or others as well. You can find us on Twitter at Nev and Min, N-E-V-E-N-D-M-I-N. You can email us at neverendingminute at outlook.com or check out our Facebook page or our listener society. Great. Be sure to check those things out and, and download a Never Ending Minute episode just to check it out at the very least. It's worthwhile. Maybe one of the ones that I'm a guest on. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until tomorrow, thank you, listeners, for making us part of your world. 